there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Is your neighbor having a Bible? If he doesn't have a Bible, just look at them and tell them, what a shock. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. Your glorying is not good. Your boasting, the way you're boasting, is not good. When you read chapter 4, chapter 5, you realize that the Corinthian church was a very immoral church, full of problems, especially sexual problems, you know. And, and it's like they were happy, they were comfortable, and they were excited about what they were doing. And Paul is telling them, you are glorying. The things you are celebrating about are not good. The immorality that you guys are celebrating and glorifying in the church is not good. And you can see that Paul is writing this letter to them to address those issues. Somebody marrying his father's wife, sleeping with his father's wife. And then he even talks about fornication. Now, when you read what he talks about fornication, it's very interesting. He's saying that the fornication that is in the church is not even the one that is mentioned with the Gentiles. It's like the fornication that was in the church was on another whole new level. That Paul says, even the ones the Gentiles are committing, it's a bit righteous. The one in the church is terrible. And here he's saying, your glorying is not good. And I want you to notice that as we progress, God is speaking to us that we have to get rid of fornication. Amen? I believe the year 2023, we are getting rid of fornication in the church. We are getting rid of immorality in the church. These are things that are not spoken about every now and then, but they are real. And I pray that we may kick fornication, immorality, perversion out of the house of God. Look at a neighbor and tell them, stop fornicating. Why are you afraid of your neighbor? You see, when you're afraid to talk to your neighbor, I might think you and your neighbor, you have something, isn't it? There's something going. There's something going on. So look at your neighbor straight in the eye and don't blink and tell your neighbor, stop fornicating. <laughs> Because this thing was destroying the church at Corinth. And I pray that it will not destroy this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's continue. He says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lamp? Verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lamp, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Hallelujah. 
Now, today we are going to pray about living. So my topic is simply living. Now, the Bible mentions living or yeast in several contexts. In some contexts, the reference to living is obviously literal, but in other contexts, living takes on symbolic connotations. In other words, living has a deeper meaning attached to it. For example, in the Mosaic law, living represents sin or corruption. The law forbade grain offerings which were made with living. Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, No meat offering which you shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with living, for you shall burn no living nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. So God discouraged them from using living. You see, when living was put in dough, it made the dough rise quickly. And so God was saying, look, I don't want you to involve living in the food or in the bread that is going to be offered to me. You have to bring the sacrifice or um, the offering that you're bringing to me without living. No meat offering, which you shall bring unto the Lord, shall be made with living. For you shall burn no living, nor any honey, in any offering of the Lord made by fire. So you can see here that living was like a defiling substance that God did not want to be mixed with the offering that was brought before him. Even for his priests, in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 17, I'll paraphrase, the grain offering for Aaron and his sons, the priests, was also not to contain living and was to be eaten in a holy place. So the, the, the portion for the priest was to be without living, and the portion that was offered to God as a sacrifice was without living as well. So living here represented uh, a contaminating agent, a defiling agent that God told the children of Israel to make sure that it is not part and parcel of the offering. Number two, living is also mentioned in the New Testament and it represents hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 16 verse 6 the Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the living of Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Of course, when you continue reading, you realize that the disciples did not understand what Jesus was talking about. But verse 12, the Bible says, Then understood they how that he bade them not, not he bade them not beware of the living of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So Jesus compared the false teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees to living. So living here represents the hypocrisy that we see in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He warned his disciples against being taken by their teachings. He warned his disciples against hypocrisy because hypocrisy is real 
and hypocrisy does take place in the house of God. So you can see that in those two incidences that leaven has a very deeper meaning attached to it. Now, Paul mentions two things in this verse. He mentions the leaven of malice, and then he mentions the leaven of wickedness. When you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, Paul says, um, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So he mentions two types of leaven here the leaven of malice and the leaven of wickedness. And you see, leaven is a very small substance that is ad- added to the door. But here, you see, Paul says in the beginning verses that a little leaven leavens the whole lamp. A little leaven defiles the whole lamp. A little malice can defile you. A little wickedness can defile you. That's why Paul says, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lamp since you truly are unleavened. So we have to be purged. You know, there are people who say, this is a small sin. There is no small sin. Sin is sin. There are people who say, this is little wickedness. It's not little wickedness. Wickedness is wickedness. And no matter how little or small it looks, it still has the potential to defile you. So let's look at the living of malice. Malice is the desire to cause pain or injury or distress to another person. In other words, there is an intention in your heart to harm others. You warm yourself into people's lives, but the end game is to hurt them or to harm them. That's why we see partnerships don't last. Because people come together with business ideas, they start very well, but one of them is not sincere. One of them has other plans. Take the money and run out of the partnership. So the partnership doesn't last because one person there was full of malice. Some friendships don't even last a month. They begin very well. There's so much excitement. There's so much fire. You know, but one person because of dishonesty, because of the living of malice, does not keep the end of his bargain. And so that friendship has to die. Some people even date you, but they don't really want to marry you. They just want to use you, abuse you, and dump you. Their intention is to abuse you. Their, their intention is to take advantage of you. Their intention their is just to come into your life, get something out of your life, and then they leave. There are people who come into your life because of the car you drive. There are people who come to your life because of the house that you live in. There are people who come into your life because of the money that you have. And you open your heart to them, you love them, you start dating, and all of a sudden you have this dream wedding in mind, and then the guy leaves you. It can really be hurting. Yeah, people who have gone through broken relationships, it's, it's very painful, especially if you've given your all into it. But the people I'm talking about are not here. They didn't come for the prayer service. 
tonight. Have you been hurt before in a relationship? It's very painful. Very, very painful. Especially when you remember what that person was saying. The words, the pickup lines, the messages, you know, the calls, yeah, night calls. How the person even changed his voice. Baby. <laughs> yeah? Used to sing to you until you sleep. Wow. Then the person disappears. It can be hurtful. Amen. Some members join a church but with ulterior motives. They will come, warm themselves into the heart of the pastor. Become very active. You see them very active. They are doing everything. They are carrying the speaker. They are washing the church. Carrying the seats. They are washing the toilet. They are in the kitchen. They are ready to cook. Hey. They are everywhere. You know. But they have another motive in their minds. And when they really get to a place where now they know that they have been embraced, that's when you see their true colors. You understand? Yeah, a lot of pastors are walking around with wounds because of people who came, trusted, they trusted them. Some of them came with a CV from a Bible school. Yeah, with all these very glamorous accolades of what they have done, what they have achieved, and the pastor trusts them and embraces them. And before long, that is the guy that breaks the church. He waits for the pastor to travel. And when the pastor travels, then he knows that this is my opportunity, you know, to break the church. And they, when the, the pastor has to cut short his visit to come back and try and save the church, because he's told, the longer you stay, the more you will not have a church by the time you're coming back. I gave you a story of a pastor. When he leaves, he records his messages. Yeah, he records his messages. The messages are played. He receives the offering through the video. And he closes the meeting. And he tells everybody, go home now. I've finished the service. Through the video. Because he does not trust the hyenas that are around him. Tell your neighbor, it's the living of malice. Say again, the living of malice. I mean, you can even have a relative. And you decide to help this relative, you invite this relative to your house. You show the relative a bedroom, say, you'll be staying here, I want to help you. But the relative is coming to your house with other intentions. Malice, I'm telling you. And every day you'll be calling your brothers, your uncles, your, and telling them how you're mistreating him or her. And saying very bad things about you. Somebody say malice. So malice will always flourish on hypocrisy, pretense, and hiding of one's true intention until the right time comes for him or her to strike. 
A lot of people who have malice, their hearts are not genuine. They will pretend on their face that they are nice, but their hearts are not genuine at all. Psalms chapter 19 verse 14. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing or be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Your heart has to be right. The meditations of your heart must be acceptable in God's sight. Why are you asking me out? The meditation of your heart must be acceptable before God. Why are you joining that department? The meditation of your heart must be acceptable before God. There's no amen today. Oh, that amen is malicious. Ask your neighbor for me, are you malicious in any way? Number two is the living of wickedness. Let me move quickly so I will pray. Wickedness is so wide, I'm telling you. You know, sometimes when you talk about wickedness, people just think about immorality. But wickedness is wide. Wickedness is a departure from the rules of the divine law. It is a quality or state or condition that does not conform to God's standard of moral excellence. Wickedness is evil disposition or practices. And let me just give you a catalog of wickedness. Number one is lies. Lies is part of wickedness. And Christians can lie bluntly. They can even add in the name of Jesus. And they are lying to you. It is wickedness. Tell you never lying is wickedness. Amen. It is wickedness. You know, when we moved here, and there was a foreman here, had his number. So one time I came here, and I decided to call him. And I called him and said, hey, where are you? He said, I am on the site. And I asked him, are you sure? He said, oh, yes, the fundies are working. And I was here. And he was not there. So you can find yourself lying. And the problem with lies is when you lie once, you have to lie the second time to cover the first lie. Then again, you have to lie to cover the second lie so it can cover the first lie. So you find yourself lying a lot. And the more you lie, the more you're plunging into wickedness. Secondly is unfaithfulness. It can be unfaithfulness at work. You stealing work hours is wickedness. Stealing work hours. You're supposed to be working, you're supposed to be in the office, but you are unfaithful. You're somewhere else. It is unfaithfulness. It is wickedness. Unfaithfulness in your marriage, it is wickedness. Amen? Instead of drinking water from your own cistern, you're drinking water from your neighbor's cistern. It is unfaithfulness. And it is wickedness. Praise the Lord. It is what? It is wickedness. Let me ask you, if somebody tempted you, will you say no? Will you remind them that you are married and you love God? Huh? Yes. You will, eh? In Jesus' name. But you know, there are people when they travel to other places, they even remove their ring. 
Yeah. They go back to the market. In Swahili is even more powerful. Amerudi soko. <laughs> and faithfulness is wickedness. Stinginess is wickedness. Yeah. Remember, wickedness is a departure from the rules of the divine law. Stinginess. Refusing to give, refusing to tithe, refusing to give offerings. It is wickedness. Tell your neighbor, stinginess is wickedness. Mm. So every time you refuse to tithe, I want you to know that you have become a wicked Christian. Very wicked. You are full of malice, hypocrisy. Wickedness is idolatry. Worshipping of other gods. You might not have an image you are worshipping, but there are things that can take the place of God in your heart. It's like you've aged God out of your heart. And those things are more important to you than God. It's wickedness. Practicing witchcraft is wickedness. Going to witch doctors, tying things on your waist. Going somewhere so you can be given some charms, some amulets and ornaments for protection. To protect you. That is wickedness. Sorcery is wickedness. Wizardry is wickedness. Running at night is wickedness. Ask your neighbor, do you run at night? And of course, immorality is wickedness. Fornication. Sleeping with someone that you are not married to. That is wickedness. Amen. And you can sugarcoat it. You can say you are testing... Um, your equipments to make sure that they don't disappoint at the right time. You, you can use all sorts of rationalization. It is still fornication. And it is wickedness before God. Amen? Look, if you're a sister here and somebody tells you that you must sleep with me for me to know you love me, please, run. Huh? Murifa was told not to run, but me, I'm telling you. <laughs> run. Amen. Do what? Run. If somebody who is married is seducing you, go and tell his wife. Go and report the man or report the woman. Look, some of these things I'm telling you, you, you might think they don't happen. But they do happen. Yeah. Yeah. I have lost some members because a lady interfered with somebody's marriage. Yeah. In this church. Yeah. That girl was single. And the man was making moves. And the wife got wind of it. And the man is like he was still insisting. You see, this thing is, is, is bondage. Fornication is bondage. Adultery is bondage. When you pursue that path, sometimes when you are trying to come back, it's, it's very difficult because your emotions are involved. That's why you see the Bible says when you sleep with a harlot, you become one. Your souls are tied. You, un you understand? Yeah. So it, it, it is like a threesome. 
you, your wife, and then the side chick. So your souls are tied. So part of you wants your wife, part of you wants this, um, whatever dish it is. <laughs> and I lost three members because of immorality. Because they couldn't come back. It's like the lady was determined. And you see some ladies here, they have stayed for so long. They have been in the desert for such a long time when they see an oasis show them an oasis they will cling on it with everything and they will not care what other people are saying. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Even some brothers here have been in the wilderness for long. A very long time. They are full of cobwebs. <laughs> so when a resurrection takes place someone say resurrection <laughs> yeah we are trying to use holy words yeah when the resurrection takes place I'm telling you you cannot change try to pull the guy back is very impossible because the resurrection is real so real. It's so powerful. In, in fact, even the guy is like, oh, he realized, oh, I am alive. I'm alive. No more cobwebs. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, stay away from fornication. Tell another, stay away from adultery. You have to wait until God gives you your own partner. Then we have incest, also very bad. It was in this church at Corinth. <laughs> when we continue reading the book of Corinthians, even if we don't, you can read, even if we don't as a church, continue. Paul is forced to even talk about marriage. Because it was serious. It was, the firing that was happening in the church of Corinth. Hey! It was very bad. But now he begins to draw lines. He's trying to show them what marriage is. A man and a woman. He's trying to show them. And then he draws a line. A clear line of demarcation. Around marriage. So that these people may understand. And you need to understand that Corinth was. You know like a gentle city. So it was full of all this pagan worship, immorality and stuff. That's why Paul was very strong when he was writing this letter. Very strong to this guy. You realize there is a verse he even said, look, if this brother refuses to change, hand him to Satan. That's how now he was getting to. He was now mad because he's talking to these people and they are not listening to him. Say, take that brother who has resurrected and has refused to die. <laughs> Hand him over to Satan. So that Satan may buffet him. He may come back to his senses. 
so that we may save his soul. Wow. I pray as a pastor I may not reach there. Where now you say, hey, we have talked to this brother, he has refused to change. We have talked to this sister, she has refused to change. Now we hand you over to Satan to buffet you so that at least your soul can be saved. Somebody say, mercy. Perversion. Sexual perversion. Men sleeping with men. Women sleeping with men. Now, this thing has come to our generation. And those people also want to be in the choir. They want to be in the choir. They want to play the keyboard. They want to do sound. They want to be in the pastoral team. They want to go through pastors from the pews. They want to go through starting point. And they are fighting for their rights. That if you say no, they say you are discriminating, discriminating against us. Somebody say mercy. Yeah, there are pastors who are forced to do it. To even join marriages. Can you imagine as a pastor, you are presiding over a wedding between a man and a man. Then you say, kiss. It's terrible. Wickedness. So you might just say it is something small. But look, a little living spoils the whole lamp. Amen. You know, there are people who say, Pastor, you know, I went to this lady's house and we didn't do it. Then I asked, so what did you do? We did everything else except that one. Tell me, but it is still bad. It is still wickedness. Oh, yes. Because there are people, that's what they say. We did everything, but we didn't get there. It's still bad. It's still wickedness. And it can defile you. It will defile you. Praise the Lord. Some even say, oh, pastor, it was just happening in my mind. I masturbated, whatever. So I didn't touch any woman. I didn't touch any It is still bad. Yeah. Just a little of it. That's what Paul is saying here. A little. Are we together, somebody? Just a little living. A little in your thoughts, in your imagination. A little living. Spoils the whole batch. Then there are two things he mentions. One is sincerity. He says, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with all living, nor with the living of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sincerity is the absence of pretense. Be open. It's the absence of deceit or hypocrisy. Truth is when you're a man of your word. You cannot lie. You are dependable. You are trustworthy. You will not spring a surprise on us. Hallelujah. I say you will not spring a surprise on us. We will not be in a service and then we see the police outside there looking for you. And you are wondering, this brother, how comes the police are looking for him? Only to discover that you have this story that is very interesting. So we must get rid of the leaven of malice. And we must get rid of the leaven of wickedness. And embrace sincerity and truth. Because that is what will make the church healthy. Can I get an amen? I pray that this church will be free 
from the living of malice. This church will be free from the living of wickedness. This church will be full of brothers and sisters who are sincere. They are filled with sincerity. Brothers and sisters who will walk in the truth. In Jesus' name, shout aloud, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.